Good morning. I don't know if uh, you can feel the excitement and the joy and the, uh, the electricity in the air of what God is doing in this place. Now listen, I wanted to say something. Our, our building is a mess. Isn't it? It's just a mess. We got different colors all over the place. We got, you know, cords hanging down. It's kind of like, well, you know, if you're making a big meal and somebody walks in halfway through it and it's just a mess in your kitchen, you're like, no, I don't want you to see that. I want you to come to dinner, right? But they see the mess. Listen, we just said, come on into the mess, but don't think that this is going to be how it looks, right? It's going to be more finished. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, you just got to trust us that it's going to be a really wonderful experience when we get it all done. The problem is you're getting to see it throughout the process. So it's a mess. And I was sitting over thinking, that's not unlike our lives. It's not unlike our lives because we're a mess. And we desperately need the beauty of the gospel of Jesus in us, don't we? And we're a process. And if we live honestly, we're going to walk out every single day and we're not going to have to be perfect. We're not going to have to have it all together. We're going to just be able to say, you know what? This is who I am and this is where I am. Come on in. Come see the work that he's doing in me. And listen, that's what we're going to say with our church as well. Come on in. Come see the work he's doing in us. Uh, what a beautiful morning already. Already. I, just so thankful for what God is doing. Excited to get to his word and to a little more conversation about who we're going to be as a church. Can I pray for us before we get into that? Father God, how good you are. What a loving and kind father. Lord, thank you for this, this time to worship as a family, as an imperfect family in an imperfect place. It just reminds us, God, that you're the only thing that's perfect. You're the only thing that uh, satisfies. You are our only hope. And so, God, we just lift you up this morning. We thank you for this family. We thank you for what you've done in Temple Baptist Church for 81 years. And, God, we thank you and we glorify you for what you're doing and you're going to do in South City Church in the months and years to come for your glory. By your grace, God, that's our prayer and our hope that you would continue to do a work in us and around us. Father, would you give us your grace this morning as we look into your word and we talk about what this means and how it's going to look over the next several weeks. Receive glory, Father, we pray for all that we do uh, today, and we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being here this morning. Uh, if, if you were here last week, you know that we are last week and this week. Uh, having some family conversations. Family conversations are when you just kind of get down and dirty and say, okay, family, this is what we're doing. This is what's going on. We're going to just have a real honest conversation. That's what last week was. That's what today will be as well. Um, if you were here last week, you remember we talked about how God has changed the names of people in Scripture in the past. Remember, we first of all started talking about Abraham and Sarah and the fact that God had a plan he wanted to bring to the nation of Israel. And so he changed Abraham and Sarah's name. That was part of why he changed their name, to bring them in to the plan. And then we talked about Jacob and how Jacob wrestled with God. And because of Jacob's persistence, holding on to God and saying, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because of that, right? God said, well, this isn't the same old Jacob. God's doing something new in you. I'm going to change your name to Israel. He changes his name because he was persistent. And I believe with all my heart that you as a church for, for a while, 
We're just coming before the Lord and praying in persistence, saying, God, will you do a work in us? Would you please just pour out your spirit on us? Would you please just do something here? And you were persistent. You wouldn't let go. And then we began to talk about Peter and the fact that the very first time that Jesus even sees Peter, Peter walks up. Of course, it's Simon. He walks up and he says, that's not a Simon. You're not a Simon. Uh, Simon, you know, that's, Simon means listen. Simon means hear. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to speak. I want you to preach. And I need you to be a rock. And so Peter hadn't done anything. He saw Peter's potential. He saw Peter's potential and he changed his name. And then we talked about Paul and how the very name Paul means desired. I'm sorry, Saul means desired one. But the name Paul means small. It's like he changed his name so that he could have a different position. He could minister to the Gentiles. Paul's a, a Gentile name, a Roman name. And so he wanted in context to be able to preach the word of God to the people that God had sent him. And he said, what's the best way to do that? He changed his name to Paul. What a, a good reminder for us this morning that uh, a name is a name. <laughs> what matters most is how do we use it and what does it mean to us, right? Uh, I mentioned last week that there's a lot of people in central Arkansas that don't necessarily value southwest Little Rock as much as we do. Uh, there's, there's several times you can have conversations with people around central Arkansas and you might say, well, I'm, I'm down in southwest Little Rock, and they go, oh, okay. By naming, by, by taking the name South City Church, it's our identity. We're saying we love this place. This is where God has placed us. These are the people around us. This is our context that we want to be in. We want to do ministry. We want to do uh, life together right here. And just by naming the church, South City Church, we're saying, you know what? We value this place and these people. Well, some of you are saying, okay, well, what does that mean? What is South City Church? Well, South City Church is the what, okay? And as you know, the how and some other things, those are going to come as we're creating here. What matters most is the why. What matters most is the why. And so I want to share with you the South City vision statement, okay? Our vision, our vision for South City Church says this. South City Church exists to love God and all people by becoming disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. I'll say it again. South City Church exists to love God and all people by becoming disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. It's why we exist. You know, we've tried to fit in a couple of things into that. There's two, obviously, very important scriptures or commandments that Jesus has given us, not just us, but the church. And uh, one is the great commandment and one is the great commission. I want to look at that, can we? Matthew 22, 38 through 40, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God and love people. We wanted that to be right at the very beginning because that's what he's called us to. That's who we are. We want to be lovers of God and lovers of people because that's who he is and he wants us to be. 
Another thing is we said we want to love all people because that's what our community represents. We want to be a multicultural church that's welcome to everyone, open to everyone, arms open wide because the grace Jesus has given us, he wants to give to everyone, right? So we want to love God and we want to love all people. Next, we want to become disciples. Now, I use that word becoming intentionally because we never outgrow discipleship. It's something we're continually doing until the day we die. God is teaching us to be more like his son, right? At least that's, that's what I think he intends, for us to continue to grow, continue to learn. We are becoming disciples. But it's not enough just to be disciples of Jesus. He's called us in the Great Commission to go. And so that's what it says for us, to become disciples who make disciples, right? We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about making relationships. It's not enough to be a believer. Jesus has commanded us to go, to be disciples, not just attend, not just to give, not even just to pray, but to do the hard work of relationship, developing influence for the sake of the gospel in people's lives. Uh, this is something, it's not, it's not a, a maybe. This is a commandment of Jesus that we have to do. Next, we're going to do it for the glory of God. What does that mean? That means that we know as a church, this is not about us. That means we know as a church that Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. That this is his story. And he matters. It, it all, it's all about him. He matters completely. But by his grace, he's written us into this story. By his kindness, he's written us into this story. So we just want to be obedient. Lord, what does it look like for me? How do I obey you? How do I follow you? How do I support the story that you are writing us into? We want all that we do, every single thing that we do, to be for the glory of God. And then the last phrase we used, for the good of the city. You know, we talked a little bit um, a couple of weeks ago about how when Jesus would do miracles, it was forward-looking. Tim Keller says it's forward-looking. In other words, Jesus hates sickness. He hates poverty, right? He hates broken relationships. And so as he would heal people, it's like he was looking forward to the kingdom, and he was, it was forward-looking. This is the way it's going to be in the kingdom. This is the way it's going to be when he makes all things new in restoration. So these miracles point to that. In the same way as the body of Christ, we have to do ministry that points to the restoration of what God is going to do. So when we tutor kids at LSY, we're helping them become better people, we're helping them learn more so that they can do better in school, they can have better jobs and change their lives, right? When we're feeding people, we're saying, this is not from us, this is from the Lord because he's given to us, we want to bless you. We hope, we pray for marriages for relationships, for kids. God, we, we want every aspect of every person involved with our church, surrounding our church, to be affected by the kingdom of God. That's what we want it to look like. You know, a friend of mine uh, I heard one time say, the kingdom of God and wanting the kingdom of God is kind of like saying, we want what's up there to be lived out down here. What's up there to be lived out down here. 
And as we do that, as we see hearts changed for God's glory, by his grace, we see families start to be restored. When we see families start to be restored, we see joy in who God is making us as disciples of Jesus. We want to help other people. We want to help other people be fed and be whole. And when we do that, we're doing it for the good of the city. There's no telling the potential that God could, could do in us as a result of his gospel through us for the city. Now, what does it mean? What are the specifics of South City Church? So, we call these core values. So, if you're, if you're a member of South City Church, we want your life to be about these six things, okay? Let's look at these things. First of all, transformative discipleship. <clears throat> there are two, two big words, and basically what it means is God changes us. He saves us. But the saving part is just the beginning of the relationship, right? It's just the starting point. He transforms us. I think for a long time in church culture, there's a lot of people that thought, you know, I could just come and I could get my fire insurance, and I could just come occasionally, and, and then I'll, you know, I'll just live, kind of live my same life. No. Jesus is calling us to be transformed disciples, our lives looking like his Growing, ever growing to know him more, right? Becoming disciples who are changed by the grace and mercy of Jesus. Many of you know my story in this church. I was a half-hearted Christian. I was uh, fake. There's no other way around it. I looked a certain way, but I didn't live a certain way when you didn't see me. I lived two different lifestyles. It seemed fine on the, on the exterior, but my heart was not for God, it was for myself. God is calling us to live one life, one authentic life, broken as it may be, messy as it may be. The grace and mercy of Jesus calls us to authenticity and a transformed life. Here's the second core value, passionate worship. Now listen, when I say worship, many of us automatically go to music. So you're saying I need to walk around and just sing all the time? Well, that that's okay. I do that some. But uh, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Because worship is the very lives we live, right? Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul is saying, listen, we need to lay down our lives as sacrifices, saying, God, it's not my life, it's yours. We need to live lives of gratitude and thanksgiving and thankfulness that we just, we just exude the joy that God has changed us and has given us life through his son. That's what passionate worship is, that we're students of the word of God, that we live in such a way that we're grateful, that we're grateful. I, I love this story. I'm not going to read this whole story. But I'll tell you the, the address if you want to look at it later. Luke 7, 36 through 48. I don't want to read the whole story for time's sake today, but I want to tell you a few pieces of it. There's a story where Jesus goes to a, one of the Pharisees' house. He'd been invited over. And it says in Luke that Jesus, I guess, is standing in this direction, and this woman comes behind him and wraps her arms around his feet. And then she begins to weep. 
and her tears flowed down onto Jesus' feet, dirty feet. And it says that she had brought an alabaster box of perfume or ointment or oil, and she opens that and she pours that on his feet, and then she dries his feet with her hair. And of course, the Pharisee says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He tries to stop it. He says, Jesus, if, if you knew this kind of woman, what she, what she was, she's a woman of the city. If you knew her sin life, if you knew the truth of who she was, you wouldn't let her touch you. And Jesus says, you know what? When I walked in here, nobody gave me a kiss. Nobody welcomed me. No one washed my feet. And then he goes on to say, for whom much is forgiven, right? This is how he puts it. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven much loves much. This woman had been forgiven of so much that her passionate worship flowed out like this act. In other words, she literally poured herself out like she did the ointment on his feet and said, Jesus, my life is yours. My body, everything I am, there is nothing I withhold from you. That is passionate worship. That we would offer our lives in such a way that we say, God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. No matter what someone says of me face down on in the altar praying or worshiping or my hands held high or my life prostrate on the floor. God, I'm yours. All of me is yours. Our lives should be lived with passionate obedience to Jesus. (laughs) You know, I learned in college, um, it's easy to say, Lord, I love you. I would pray these prayers, Lord, I love you. And then I came across John 14, 15, John 14, 21, John 15, where Jesus says, you know what? If you love me, obey my commands. He just put a qualifier to it, so I couldn't just pray anymore. Lord, I love you if I didn't obey his commands. Let's not say that we love him if we don't obey his commands. That's the prerequisite, and he's given it to us. He's defined it for us. Jesus is saying, you want to know what love means? It means you obey me means you follow me. And when we do that out of passionate obedience, we're worshiping. We're worshiping. Listen, when we come together to worship, when we have times of worship, we want them to be times of celebration. They should be full of joy. They should be full of sincerity in our worship. We should sing loud. We should study deep. We should give big with a desire to love the Lord with all that we have and all that we are. That's what we see, right, in Acts 2? They loved big. They gave it all. Here's the next core value for us as a church. Authentic relationships. What if, um, what if we had over our lives sort of like a truth teller? This is what I mean. So sometimes we were to walk into church and we were to say, well, good morning, how are you? And the people had to tell the truth. And you had to say the truth back. Because most of the time we say what? Oh, we're fine. Oh, good. Great. But if you had the truth teller, it would sound something like this. Good morning. How are you? And they'd say, well, my life's, well, that's fine. I don't really, I don't want to hear it really, be honest with you. I don't really have the time to, to listen to all that. Okay. Thanks. Good. Glad things are not going well. Don't care. Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, we're, we're, no, I don't really. 
I say I want to know, but I don't, I don't really want to know. And so what a lot of us say is we're fine, right? We're fine. Did you ever hear that little acronym back in the day that said what fine means is frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? Did you ever hear that? Next time somebody tells you that they're fine and say, well, let's talk a little bit. Step in, right? Are you frustrated? Are you insecure? Are you neurotic? Are you emotional? What if we had a church that when we walked up to somebody and we said, how are you? We meant it. What would that be like? What if we meant it in, in the time that we spent and we stood there going, I expect the truth. How are you? And we said back to that person, you know, it's been a, a, a bad week. I'm so sorry. Tell me about it. I want to know. I really do. Can I pray with you? Can we love on you? What would that be like, church? Why does that sound so foreign? And is it possible for us to get there? I believe it is. Listen, I want you to hear me say this. Life is too short to fake it. It's too short to fake it. By God's grace, I found that out in my life. And I don't want to fake it anymore. And I still struggle with it. I still have to walk in authenticity and accountability and confession because I'll want to fake it. It's too short to fake it. And I want you to hear this phrase, and I want this to be true of our church. At South City Church, it's okay to not be okay. Listen, at South City Church, it's okay to not be okay. This is what I mean. Every one of us stands by the grace of Jesus alone. That's it. Any of us stand this morning in worship, we stand because the blood of Jesus and the grace of Jesus covers us. Nothing we've done, not by works, right, that we could boast. It's his grace. And so let's just be honest. Let's just begin to be honest and it's okay to not be okay. Let us love you, let us surround you, let us care for you and get you to a place of authenticity. Can we do that? Can we be that kind of church? We have to be real with each other. We're called to lives of truth and sincerity. James 5.16 is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Yet often it's foreign in the church. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Listen, you can't live out that suggestion, that commandment. You can't do it unless you're an authentic church. Unless you're an authentic community, you're not going to do that. You're going to say, how are you doing? Fine. Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, we're, we're good. Thanks. No. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. God's heart is for us to be healed not for us to fake it. Hmm. Confession and accountability with and for each other, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I don't want to fake it, and I don't want you to fake it. His grace is enough for us, amen? Let me just tell you this too, I'll just share this shortly. When it comes to sin and temptation, 
<laughs> we need to see it almost like gravity. How many of us like to test gravity? I just, I, I think it's just, just doesn't really work. Gravity is just a, a weird theory. I'm going to go up here on top of the church. There's a ladder up here. We can go up here. We'll just test it real quick. Nobody's going to do that, right? Yet we take the chance with sin and addiction and temptation, and we think, I've got this one on this time. I can handle it this time. I'm struggling with something, but I, I've got it. No, you don't. In the same way you won't step off of something and fall flat on your face, we shouldn't think that we can make it on our own. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to live in relationship and to live it honestly and openly in confession and accountability. Let's look at the next uh, core value, community engagement. We talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about Acts 3 and the very first miracle of the Christian church. Paul taught us about that beautiful community in Acts 2. And right out of that end of that chapter in Acts 2, we see the first thing that happens in Acts 3 is Peter and John going to the temple to do ministry. And the first thing they do is not preach. They, they meet the need of someone. That's the first thing that happens out of the Christian church, out of that community. They see someone in need, this beggar, this crippled man, and they meet his need, right? They heal him. They give him Jesus, which is his greatest need. And the community, it says in, in chapter 3, the community is amazed and left in wonder. What if we could love our community in such a way that they would be amazed at what God is doing? He's placed us to be stewards of his work right here. So our food pantry, you know what I wish we could do in our food pantry? I wish instead of having 10 or 15 of us at the food pantry, we had one for one. I wish there was one person from our community for every person that came to get food. And instead of doing a Bible study, we sat down with them and we talked to them. We prayed with them. We loved on them. And we showed them you matter. We want to give you something more than food. We want to do more than meet your need. We want to meet your greatest need, which is to give you Jesus. In the past, we've had sports outreaches, and, and those have been good, and we're going to continue those things for the glory of God. We've talked about those already. Listen, the reality is they're coming to us. We just have to engage the community. Here's the fifth core value, missional living. What is missional living? It just means that we live our lives in such a way that we are aware that people have a need for Jesus. There are places that you go every single week. You go to the grocery store, you go to the gym, right? You go, uh, you may go to the same gas station, you go to the same restaurants. Something my wife and I like to do is we, we'll go to restaurants and we'll try to learn the name of the waitress that, that we sit with often. And then we'll try and say, hey, is, there's a girl over here at El Chico, her name is Angel. Hey, is Angel in, can she, can she work with us today? And we just talk with Angel, just try to be a blessing to her. We give her great tips. And then write her notes that say, hey, great job today. God bless you. And she's a believer, but we want to just be an encouragement to her. We want to find ways to engage our community with mission. Being aware of everything around us, every person around us, our family, our neighbors, strangers. Building relational equity so that we can give them the truth of who Jesus is. Our worldview world has completely changed if we know Jesus. It should have. It's not about us anymore. It's not just about our job. Everything we are and everything we do ought to be filtered through how can we make him known. That's what missional living is. 
We are missionaries. I remember growing up in this church, and we had great missionaries that I just idolized. He, you know, I've always, I tell people this, he was the Indiana Jones of missions, right? You know that. I think I'm going to get you one of those hats, by the way, just because that's the way I see you. Yeah. So, <laughs> now I'm going to be in trouble for that. Um, I idolized missionaries, but, and I thought, man, that's so awesome for them to go and do the work of mission. No. <laughs> Jesus says for us to be missionaries, for us to go and do the work of mission every day, not just around the world, across the street. Do you know your neighbor's names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know what they do for a living? Do you know where their interests are? Do you know where they're broken? Do you know where their hearts are? My wife and I have been investing in an Indian couple that live next door to us for four years. Praying for them, loving on their children. Lori threw a, a baby shower for their youngest child. We were the only white people there out of 60 Indians. It was beautiful. Lori and the girls got henna on their hands to celebrate the baby's birth. It was a sweet, sweet investment into who they are and into their community. And God has given us a voice into that community now. Missional living. We are all missionaries. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, listen to this, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are missionaries. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ to everyone we meet. Here's the last core value, creative expression. Some of you say, now what does that have anything to do with the church? Well, you have a creative for a pastor, that's one thing. But I think it has a lot to do with the church. See, back in the day, hundreds of years ago, when it came to art and music, the finest art and the finest music was created out of the church. And so the world went, wow, look at, a, look at that. Look at what a great God they serve and look at how amazing their art. And now for a while, the church seems to have been chasing the world. I believe we can turn that around again. I believe God can create film and art and music with our kids in this community and in our body and we can raise up artists that will tell the beauty of the gospel of Jesus in a wonderful way and we can creatively express the fact that we're created in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We have an imprint of a creative God in us, all of us, every one of us. Uh, this past week, Miss Ellen and several ladies from our church baked cookies for our life skills kids. They worked hard making dozens and dozens of cookies, packaging them up, don't make that ugly face at me. She's like mad at me for telling the story. <laughs> She's giving me an evil eye. 
they packaged up these uh, cookies in, in the beautiful packages and handed them out to the kids. Isn't that awesome? How creative is that? Just to say, you know what? We love you and God loves you. Isn't that beautiful? That's such a neat way to live missionally and have creative expression to tell the story of Jesus, that he loves those kids and our church loves them as well. All right, so many of you have been looking at this handout that we handed out this morning. That's the vision and values of our church. Let's talk about some of the nitty-gritty. Can we talk about how this is going to work, some of the transition? How does this work? How do we become South City Church? Well, many of you know, I mentioned this last Sunday, that next Sunday, February 26th, will be the last Sunday we will be known as a body as Temple Baptist Church. This coming Sunday, next Sunday, one week from today, will be the last Sunday we're known as Temple Baptist Church. Uh, as you see on your uh, handout, you see our logo, you've seen up here behind me, we're becoming South City Church. We've talked about several reasons. We've talked about how God has done that in Scripture. We believe that this is the branding and the name that we need to represent Jesus in this context. But when does it change? When does it change from Temple Baptist to South City? Well, one of the things that we have decided as elders is that we need, we need some time to do that. <laughs> so I want to introduce something that's a little strange to you. It's a little strange to us, but I want to tell you about it. On the back of the sheet or on the front, depending on how you're looking at it, we have a calendar. It's a six-week calendar. It starts on May, uh, March 5th, and it goes all the way through Easter. So next Sunday will be the last Sunday known as Temple, and then we're going to go into what we're calling a pause. But it's only a pause in church service. So here's what we're doing. Our focus is on being the church, not doing a church service. You hear me? Our focus is in being the church, not doing a church service. And so here's what I mean by that. Often we can think that the church is just a place that you go, you do some worship and you hear the word and then you go home and you don't talk to each other for another week. Well, we saw a few weeks ago in Acts 2, that's not the church. The church is actually a place where people walk life together, where they know each other, where they share meals together, where they care for each other, where they pray together, where they learn we want to be that kind of church for a season. And so what we're offering is that we do more as a church during the week for six weeks, praying for the development of what South City is. So when I came on four and a half months ago, I came in, uh, it was kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant, to be honest with you. And I've just been go, 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 trying to pastor Temple Baptist Church. And as I'm go, 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 go to pastoring Temple Baptist Church and working with life skills and doing the residency that I'm in and all these other things, I have not time, our leadership team has not had time to develop South City Church. We've done some things, you're looking at a few pieces, but we have not, not had enough time to really be as creative as we want to be to develop the ministry of South City Church. We need some time to do that. We also need time for you as Temple to realize we're no longer temple. We're going to become South City, and we need a break from that. We need just a pause. And let me, let me put it this way. When a caterpillar <laughs> makes a decision to its time, however that works in God's amazing sovereignty and beauty, crawls onto a leaf and decides he's going to become a butterfly, 
he goes into a pause. And he's wrapped up in a cocoon, and there's a metamorphosis that happens in a very ugly cocoon. You don't see what's happening. It's something that's going on internally. And then when that thing comes out, it's beautiful, isn't it? And it could only happen if there was a a focused time of creation in that metamorphosis. Right? I have two little girls, and you know our story. We waited a long time to get pregnant. We, we love the fact that the doctor told us we were pregnant. It was very exciting. But I didn't see those babies. I couldn't wait. I would watch them kick in their mommy's belly, right, for 38 weeks or more. We didn't see those babies until they came out, those beautiful babies. And Psalm 139 says that that whole time, God was knitting them together in her womb. He was doing a work. We even have the example of Jesus himself who lives a sinless life, dies a sinner's death, and goes into a tomb for three days. And his disciples are going, what now? Even though he told them, three days, I'll be back. It's like they forgot it, what now? God was doing a work for three days, and the most beautiful event that has ever occurred on the face of the earth was his resurrection. Amen? The most beautiful thing that ever occurred was his resurrection. And how cool is this? We as a church get to be resurrected as a church when we celebrate his resurrection on Easter. April 16th, we will launch South City Church this Easter, okay? It's about seven weeks or so. But the reality is, is we got a whole lot of work to do. I wanna look at this, uh, this sheet with you just for a second. And if you don't have one of these books, if you weren't here last week, make sure you pick up one of these in the back. So what are some of the things that we're gonna do in this month? Well, we're gonna do quite a bit. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're gonna have prayer time at 10 a.m. And listen, if you use a smartphone, I would love for you today to set your alarm on your smartphone for 10 a.m. for Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So that if you're at work and you get a little ding on your phone, you can just take a moment and pray for South City. Would you do that? If you can come to our campus, we're going to be in the chapel. We're going to be praying Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. We would love for you to join us as we pray about what God's doing in us. Core group meetings. We're going to have two core group meetings. What that means is if you are a part of what we're doing, if God has brought you to be with us and to do this with us at South City, we're going to have a picnic that I'm very excited about, March uh, 19th. And we're going to do it here on our campus. We'll do, we'll do a bouncy house or something for kids. And we're just going to do a picnic. We're going to pray together. We're going to do life together. That'll be March 19th. We're going to do another service. It'll be a very simple service, probably in this room, Lord willing. And it'll just be a simple service, praying together, sharing together. Those will be core group meetings. Now, let me tell you the thing that matters most in this transition. We're going to call them South City Groups. Your city group is very important. It is our small group ministry, okay? Now, you'll look and and listen, we did uh, the best job that we could to try and remember every single one of your names. We went through directories. We did everything we could to try and incorporate every person on this list. There's no question we left some of you off on accident. Last night I was praying for you by name, and I started praying for Missy. (laughs) I'm praying for Missy, and I went... We left Missy, I knew it, as soon as I said her name to the Lord, I knew that we had left her off the list. If we left your name off this list, please come tell me so we can put you in here. 
and you can be a part of our core team for launching South City, okay? But listen, what this means is over the next six weeks, seven weeks, we, you know, Ephesians 4 says that pastors are supposed to uh, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? That's what we're doing. We've asked these small group leaders to shepherd our body, to shepherd you, and for you to come together and pray for this season. Pray for what South City's gonna be. Pray for opportunities to make Jesus known. Pray for provision as we go forward. Pray for these renovations. Pray in every possible way that we can. Do life with one another. That's our small group, that's South City groups. And you can see, hopefully your name is on there and who your leader is above it. We'll also have preview services. Now what those are is, you know, one is during our core group, which is April 2nd. It's just kind of for us. We're not gonna advertise that South City's meeting. We're gonna advertise that the launch for South City is April 16th, Easter. But we'll meet on the 2nd and the 9th and just be praying about what God's gonna do on Easter for us. We're also gonna do a solemn Good Friday service of worship and, uh, and then of course we'll celebrate together our launch on Easter Sunday. Now, this is how we're gonna close this morning. It's a little uh, different than normal, and that's okay. You know, like I said before, I, we preached, Paul preached on, on the uh, Acts 2 passage about what the church is. You know, our hope in, in doing this, and also, by the way, four of our elders are here today in case you have questions and you want to speak with them, they very kindly come to, to answer questions and, and be with us and, and share if you have any questions. But the purpose of this is that we, and you see this little quippy phrase down here, don't come to the church, be the church. If you come to all the small group meetings, core group meetings, as many prayer times as you can, you're going to be doing church more than you've probably ever done it before. So it's not a matter of us not meeting, it's a matter of us not doing a service. Because the reality is there's only so many hours in a week. When I prepare a message, I'll, I'll spend 20 to 30 hours preparing that message. I can't do that and prepare for South City's launch at the same time. Does that make sense? That's the reason for this. Listen, it's strange. This is a strange thing to do. We, we know that. As elders, we know that. And so we want you to do a few things in this break. We want you to pray. See the things to do list up here? Pray. Connect with each other deeply. Build relationships with people that you don't know. Care for each other. Invite your friends, your family, your neighbors, strangers, anybody, especially to the Easter launch. And then lastly, continue to give. We have great, great needs as we launch this church. We're doing everything we can to put a budget together that will honor the Lord and give us uh, the right budget to do the ministry he's called us to. And right now, that budget is coming up short for the year of 2017. So continue to give, continue to pray, continue to care for each other as we prepare to launch South City. All right, this is the way we're gonna close tonight. I'm gonna ask these leaders on uh, this sheet to come up here with me. Uh, I'm, Lori's over with kids, so it'll just be me. Jerry and Miss Sue, if you'd come up. Jacob and Beth. Bob and Marge, Rick and Angela, uh, Cody, Annie's on call today. Paul and Emily, Paul is on call today. <laughs> if y'all would just kind of stand, yeah, anywhere, and yeah, just stay there. So this is what we're going to do. We want to equip them. These are the leaders that are going to help, help us in this transition. We want to equip, equip them for the work of the ministry. 
You'll notice on this sheet, the little HB, that means homebound. One of our desires is that even our homebound people feel the love and, and, and commitment that we want to reach out to them, care for them, visit with them more than we ever have before. We want to bring them into this journey with us. Now listen, we haven't put these groups together with your favorite people. Some of them may be, but we haven't intentionally tried to do that. We are the church, okay? That means that we're going to be different ages, different races, different socioeconomic levels, different cultures. We're going to come together and love each other and get to know each other. And so these are going to be our leaders. Uh, this is Rick and Angela Russell. This is Cody Deerdorf. His wife, Annie, is a doctor. She's on call this morning. This is Emily. Her husband, Paul, is a pharmacist at UAMS. He's on call today. This is Bob and Marge Ward. He's one of our elders, right? This is Jacob and Beth Wynn. Jacob's our worship pastor. And, of course, Jerry and Sue Kidd. We are so blessed to have these leaders. So what I want to do this morning before we leave I want us to pray for these leaders. And then after I pray, we're going to be dismissed, sort of. What I'd like for you to do is if you find your name on there, or even if you don't and you want to, come up here and meet these leaders. Would you do that? If, you, if you're in their group, come meet them real quick, just so they can put a face to a name because they're going to be reaching out to you and they're going to be shepherding you for these six to seven weeks, okay? They're going to be walking with you, answering questions, helping you in every possible way. All right? Let's pray for these leaders, can we? Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Father, thank you that you love us the way that you do. Thank you for the privilege to have been blessed by the ministry and life of Temple Baptist Church. That life, that gospel witness continues under the name of South City. We, we couldn't be South City if it wasn't for Temple. We couldn't. God, you have given us this 81-year legacy in history to stand on so that we can move into the future making your name great, making you famous, uh, telling this community of who you are and serving and meeting their needs for your glory and their good. And God, I'm so thankful for these small group leaders who've been training the last several months, who've been preparing, who've been dreaming and praying about how you would use them to shepherd your people. And now we have a beautiful opportunity to do that. God, I know that, that none of this is very easy for us. I know that some of it seems very strange and different. But Lord, you are leading us to do this. You are leading us to love each other, to be the church, to focus on who South City is going to be and how we'll do the ministry you've called us to. You focused, you've helped us, Lord, to focus on how to love each other well, and we'll do that through these people. So would you bless them, bless their homes, bless their leadership. And God, as a church, I pray that we would come under them and that we would find ways to build more community, new relationships, do more ministry, be more connected than we've ever been as a church by your grace and for your glory. We love you, Lord. Please continue to direct and lead us in Jesus' precious name. Amen.